people want to lead with friendship. You know, friendship is earned just like trust is. And so we always advise um, and, and do ourselves is I want to respect you and I want to respect your time. Welcome to Outbound, where we talk about strategies and tactics to help you build deeper relationships with your ideal customers. Today's guest is Mikolai Bador. Mikolai is a boss at sales. He's a top enterprise uh, conversion specialist. Mikolai, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joseph. Appreciate you having me. And I, I love the name Outbound because of what you guys do, but I do would consider the name Outback maybe because that's sweet. <laughs> That sweet hat you got on. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Indiana Joe is my uh, moniker that I've got now from the hat. So, <laughs> uh, and it actually really fits because my backyard, I'm in Ohio, basically backs up to Indiana. I'm like probably oh, really? 150 <laughs> yards from Indiana. So <laughs> it's, it's really fitting. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, maybe you could give me like a 30,000 overview of what you, what you, what you're up to. Yeah. So a um, little backstory. I spent 11 years as kind of a cleaner um, for IBM, Oracle, Verizon, some of the biggest tech companies in the world to come in and take underperforming territories and product lines and so on and so forth and turn them into profit centers. And um, when I had my first kid, I decided that we had put ourselves in a position with investments and so on um, from those glory days that I could take a gamble and spend more time with the children, you know, at home. And uh, so I decided to go on my own. Lo and behold, I became an addict when it came to entrepreneurship because I loved it so much. And, uh, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been um, addicted to uh, consulting uh, uh, startups, professional service companies, tech, uh, blue collar, you, you name it, um, on, on revenue growth. And my specialty is um, conversion, basically conversation, that first conversation to close so a nice piggyback on what Proofpoint does, but you know, if that from someone looks your way, that moment to um, expediting the close process. That's that's my specialty, and I've applied it for companies that I've consulted, and also we've started five businesses our, our, ourselves that have applied that same that same protocol. Yeah, so that kind of I know that kind of teases us up into um, your secret sauce. But what what is your secret sauce for building um, relationships or building that? respect and trust from, from that first uh, touch point? You know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to building relationships with your prospect is people want to lead with friendship. You know, friendship is earned just like trust is. And so we always advise um, and, and do ourselves is I want to respect you and I want to respect your time. So our process and, and how we run you know, our entire sales process and our sales, every single sales call is almost, there's always a bit of the same redundancy so that the person knows what am I getting into? What can I expect? Is this person organized? Or are they not organized? I was telling you earlier, but you know, we live in Montana and we live in a ski, in a ski town and we have people come out and visit a lot. And I've never in the last four years we lived here ever had somebody come up and say, Hey, I'm going to show you the best back bowl ski runs on big mountain. I'm not, I'm going to show you the best sushi joint in Whitefish. It's never happened ever. Why? Because they expect me as their guide to show them, you know, a good time. And I think our prospects expect the same, especially when we're doing outbound, right? 
see what I did there? Um, you know, when we reach out outbound and someone takes that, that, that call and says, okay, I'll spend 15 minutes with you. From that moment forward, the way we set the agenda, the way that we give them an out at 15 minutes in, the way that we ask permission for 15 minutes after if, if things are going well, um, if they are not going well, then we clip it. We say, hey, I don't think gathering what we've, we've learned in this kind of quick conversation, aka discovery call, that we're going to be able to help you out with our product or solution. However, um, I, I, I'm happy to make some introductions. In fact, I got a couple in mind. Why don't I follow up this with those introductions? And then, you know, down the road, maybe you'll think of me when, you know, things change or, or whatever. And we begin that with respect. And then therefore, it, it's a nice bridge to trust. And then if, if the conversation does extend, you know, I always ask permission. I still cut it at 15. I'm like, hey, this conversation seems to be going really well. What do you think? I think so, too. May I ask a few more questions and then, you know, we'll, we, we can decide where to go from there. They say yes. We do the same. At that 30 minutes, I clip it again and I say, now I am officially going to end this call out of respect for you and your time. I know you're busy. Here's the next step in our process. Um, Here's what, you know, you'll need from me and you're asking of me. Here's some things I'll need from you, meaning who else will be involved in our next conversation. Our next conversation is a deeper dive of this. So we're going to want to have these types of people. Can I count on you for that? And then you wrap it up in it. So you say, I'm going to follow up with all of this detail plus notes and things that we discussed today. And I'm going to put that in a follow-up email. I will add some of these things to our agenda. Um, you're going to get me the emails to the people, like so on and so forth, right? It's, I know it sounds really levels of detail, but then the next call, we open the same exact thing up to say, hey, you know, here's what we discussed last time. Here was the pains and challenges you're facing. Hey, I see, uh, you know, Mike's here and Gabby's here. You know, Mike and Gabby, this is what Joseph and I discussed last time. Are we missing anything? And they say no. And then we continue our framework, our, our, our closures process. But for, for listeners that don't know our closures process, that's the way that you do it each and every time. You'd begin and end the same exact way. You'd follow up the same exact way in between. You'd set the agenda the same exact way, and then you would you would uh, execute the agenda once you got live with those guys. And you do that for every step of the process. And you're not hearing me talk about their puppies or their weekend yet, right? That comes when trust is earned. And once trust comes, then we can start to begin a friendship. And that's, I think, where people get hung up is I want, you, I want to trust you before I want to be your buddy. Like, if you can help me, I want to trust it's you to help me versus someone else and friendship will come, but it, it, it shouldn't be the main focus in the beginning, I don't think. Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like what you're describing is coming in extremely organized. I mean, an example, I don't know if this will make sense to the crowd that's listening, but you know, having been on the delivery side, on the you know marketing delivery side, both working at an agency uh, and having hired agencies in the past, you run into some of the same challenges if that isn't the case. Like Friendship and working relationship is really, it is really important to the longevity of, of an account. Um, if you don't get along with, or you can't, you know, you can't stand the person on the other side, that is going to cause friction in the work at the end of the day. Um, but it's not, if they can't actually deliver on the work, that's a much bigger problem. And in my experience so far, the organization is absolutely key to making that happen. And you're kind of describing the same thing. So like when we come into a meeting with a client, it needs to be a clear agenda. There needs to be a clear plan. We need to, you know, they need to know what, what to expect um, from us and, and what's expected of them. And the more clearly that's laid out up front, the more effective the meeting is and the more value everybody gets out of it. Whereas if 
you know, most meetings you're showing up and you don't really know what it's about and they don't really know what it's about. And you're like, why are we meeting again? You know, it starts to be pretty frustrating at that point. And in the sales process, there's even less rapport, less trust, less, you know, relational equity there. So if you are going in and it feels really chaotic, really disorganized, the person doesn't really know why they're there, what they're going to get out of, out of it when the out's coming. Um, yeah, then you, then you really are, you, you might build rapport, you might, you know, talk about your sports teams or, you know, college or whatever, but not have that, um, you know, mutual understanding of the purpose of the conversation, which isn't to be long-term friends. It's to potentially work together um, to solve a specific problem. Well, I mean, case in point, like Mike and Gabby, proof point, right? Um, we didn't know each other. I mean, we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other until we engaged and we had a great time and we've been out here three or four. I, my math skills were never that good. So three or four, whatever. And we engaged before we left. So that was two, three years ago. And we still talk. Like they, they have a new podcast like this one, or they have a, some new project coming up and they ask me, Hey, do you absolutely, I'll pump this up, you know, or Hey, but Hey, would you mind doing this? You know, absolutely. Hey, we were in Arizona. We tried to hook up with them when we were out in, um, in, in Phoenix, uh, last, last after ski season to get out of the, you know, cold for a bit. And we, it didn't work out because, uh, because of scheduling, but like we tried and that's, that's earned. That is a, that's earned. They had a, we had a good experience together. Good things happened you know, you're here, <laughs> I think because of that, that experience. And, uh, and, and then now we're friends, but you're right. I think people, and it happens all the time, man, because it's so easy to hide behind like, Hey, with the internet, it's like, I see you have a puppy and I see you have kids and I see you went to college here. And it's like, yes. And I have a job to do. So you're wasting, like basically my job during this eight like hour period. I spend more time with my family and less time talking to people <laughs> that I'm never going to do business yeah, with. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it doesn't, but it's easy. And that's the easy button thing. And this is where automation and not to poop on that, but you know, there's, there's a lot of things that people are like, I just don't want to have, a, I don't want to have, have a difficult conversation ever. And the problem with that is difficult conversations and challenges and, and making someone better is what makes, I mean, it makes athletes stronger and it makes deals close faster. So the, the quicker you can become more accustomed to having those conversations. And by the way, easiest way to do that is by being prepared and organized. That's it. It just takes a little extra work. And it, but the conversation itself and, and the, those to follow are so much more productive because you have something to say, you know, and they have something to hear. So what was it that um, I don't know if there's a specific time or, or, or story behind it, but when did you come to the realization that that first touch and being as organized? I mean, because. I feel like for most people who start in sales, unless they happen to be like type A driven, <laughs> list driven person, it would take some time before you'd come to that recognition. And most, most salespeople don't because, you know, they don't have that same level of organization that you're talking about. So how did you figure that out? How did you come to that realization that that organization was so important? Well, organization, I'm going to tie this together. Organization and not, you know, trying to, you know, stay in the friend zone. Um, I had taken a job. So I had hit president's club. Um, I was a two year guy. So I'd go in and I'd fix things and I'd get bored and I'd get promoted or, or I'll basically promoted to another company who would pay me more or have a new challenge that just my ADHD is extreme. So like, you know, I can only do so well for so long, meaning like if I hit president's club, that's the pinnacle. And what's after that? There's no like, like empire <laughs> emperor club. It's like, that's it. So like, once you hit that, that's kind of like, you can't, you did, you did, you job like you did the best, you, you know, you, you won the award. 
And so, I, you know, I did that. And the, one, and the first year I went to Oracle, I didn't win that award and it drove me nuts. And, and this was hands down. Hadn't, I mean, this was probably the worst territory I'd ever taken on. IBM a close second, but, but Oracle's was bad. And I realized this is what was, what was going on later. But here's what I did wrong. I got into this. I was in oil and gas and oil and gas. And I, so I had to travel to Texas quite a bit. It was a good old boys club. I'm from Minnesota. So I had a funny accent to them. Um, and so, but we got along, I don't know, Texas and Minnesota, I got a lot of Texas friends out here and I don't know what the deal is. We're polar, you know, literally like North and South pole, but we get along. And, um, I just started being buddy, buddy with these guys. I'm like, oh, this is how it works. You know, you, you grease me, I grease you and ha ha ha. And we'd go out and we'd do all this stuff and I'd become friends with them. And I became friends with them like Christmas card friends, you know? Um, and when it came to actually selling them something, it became, they'd pat me in the back like a buddy and say, oh, not now, not now, not now. Now this was in utilities. So I had oil and gas and utilities. Thank God I lost utilities because this is what I did to the utilities sector. I would have never done well at Oracle had they, they not cut me off of utilities. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of the way they like diced up the territories in the next year. But had I told them the truth, I'd have been like, I mean, I didn't lie. I just, I was grateful because I wanted to be like, I screwed that up. I screwed that up because the whole time I was trying to be their buddy and nothing ever happened ever like ever happened. Like I never moved any needle ever. Like, cause every time I try and bring up, Hey, maybe we should help you with this. Ha ha ha. Let's go golfing or whatever. And I realized I can't be that guy. That's who I'm in real life. I'm real nice. I love people. I'm social butterfly, but when it comes to sales, I have to kind of put on my, my theater robe, I guess, and be a little bit more stern and stubborn and disciplined than I usually would be in real life because it's my job and it's my livelihood and I'm not paid to be everyone's buddy, right? I'm not a VJ. Like I'm, I'm the it's emotionally exhausting to be doing outreach all the time and to be doing a lot of things that happen in sales, but it's definitely emotionally exhausting if you are trying to keep up that level of, of friendship and relationship with every single person at every single account, you know, it's just, it's really unrealistic to do, to do that and still have anything left over to do your job or anything left over when you're finished with the day to go home with, with your family. If you're trying to be really great friends with everybody you talk to. And actually just one more thing on that note, just kind of tying into what you say, I've seen this a lot where, uh, people focus a lot on events for their, um, maybe that's too general of a statement in, in a lot of enterprise sales that I've seen, especially like professional services or engineering or, you know, things where there's a very technical sale, salespeople go to events, marketing people go to events and use that as a way to start conversations with people. But then when you've gone to the same events for 25 years, yes, you build some great friendships, but I've kind of found when I'm around people that have done that, they stagnate with new business development and they're sitting on, you know, these big accounts that they've been working for a long time that came way early on when they first started, but they're such good friends with everybody there. They're not willing to make an introduction for somebody else on the sales team. You know, they don't want to damage the relationship that they've built for the sake of, you know, a deal for somebody else on their team or, you know, a customer interview for their marketing department. They're like, nah, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. And kind of to your point, they've almost developed too much of a friendship and a relationship with somebody to do business with them effectively. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And, and like a, to bring it back to the point at the beginning, it's disrespectful, 
right? It's disrespectful to just eat my time up when I have a job to do. I have eight hours and every minute you're wasted of mine, like you said, is depleting time or stealing time from my family or something else. Maybe it's my health. Maybe it's hobbies, my community. I don't know. And to your point about the, you know, these events, like I, I never understood why do these big companies dice up territories, move reps around. I never understood it. And that is, that's why is because, you know, it's okay. Every, every 80s, I'm an 80s kid. Every 80s movie ever was about the new kid in school. And what, what was the storyline? The cool, the kid with the Camaro and the cool hair. And, and then we would find out if this person is the footloose guy or somebody else who causes problems for everyone. You know, is it Kevin Bacon or is it some other turd? Right. And I feel like that with some of these, with what we're talking about here is there's an advantage to being the new guy on the phone, or there's an advantage to be the new guy at the event. There's an advantage to be the new person, right? On the account, because now it's like this person, because they, there is no relationship. So that person has a total reset. And again, we are the, you know, if we're working for someone else or I'm consulting my clients, I pretend to be them. Like we are, um, we're, we're the, uh, we're the handshake, like. We're the, you know, we're the caveat from, from the company, like we're the bridge from them to, to the client. And so let's be the, the best paved, you know, bridge we can be. Let's, let's, let's just be a smooth bridge for that to happen. And the, the thing that gets in the way, the bumps and the potholes in the road are when we try and just muck it up by being too buddy, buddy too soon. And again, it goes back to my original point is, you know, they're there to do a job. You're there to do a job. And we have, let's make their job easier by our product or solution by, by starting with organization and respect, running a tight sales process, setting expectations, right? Having clean follow-up on both ends. So everyone's mutually invested. And then when it turns where it just isn't a fit, then, then we're fine with that. It isn't an emotional breakup. I mean, good Lord. Like that's the last thing we need is sales is hard enough than to have to break up with everybody you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm going to miss you. Like, that's just, that's just another added level of stress no one needs. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I know we're kind of the, the word relationship, there's maybe some semantics there. Cause I think for when I'm, uh, it sounds like you're leaning into the idea that you're not trying to build a friendship with people. And I think there is some, that's where the word relationship is kind of a difficult thing because it's really, you need to build business relationships with people. And why I'm saying it that way is some salespeople and some sales organizations are only focused on revenue in the short term. And it sounds great, but in the long term, a lot of times that really doesn't work in the, in the, in the long run for your company, because you're going to have high turnover and uh, you know, both with your sales reps and with, with people who customers, I mean, I've worked with salespeople that are only transactional. They don't give a rip about the person on the other end at all. And it it's horrible for the customer. It's horrible for the company. It's horrible for the delivery team, especially because then there's something that's been way over promised and you can't actually do it. And that, you know, feature doesn't exist or whatever. Um, so anyway, my point is to kind of try to pull that together and have a tighter definition around relationship. It's not trying to become friends with everybody, but it's having a professional relationship with somebody that's mutually beneficial for each other's companies. And that's neither being so friendly that you can't actually meet a business objective together, which is you, you know, you as a salesperson coming in to solve a specific problem that I have that helps my business run more effectively, or on the other side, being so transactional that you're just looking to make a quick buck from me and be gone when, whenever there's an issue. Um, you know, it's kind of that in between 
the road. Yeah, I, I think there's an in-between, but I, I want to clarify something. You said the word trying to be friends. That's, that's, that's right there. That, that, that's what I'm bringing up is, is I wasn't trying to be friends with Mike and Gabby. I was trying to make their business explode in a, in a, you know, like I, I was trying to triple their revenue in this, in six months. That was what I was trying to do. Like, like I don't have a friend in my Rolodex right now that I'm trying to make my friend. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like I wasn't trying to make my wife my date me, you know, like I was hoping she would by being myself and being who I am. And, and I think that's, I just want to clarify that because we're not the term trying to be someone's friend. You're right. That's wrong. The term about becoming someone's friend in the process and building that, that mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. That's what we're all after. I've been a part of transactional sales too. And it's disgusting. Like we're, we're in the market for fiber line right out here. And it's just like the worst, if there, I mean, other than your healthcare, if there was worse customer service, I would challenge it. Um, and that's all it is, is customers, they don't give a shit. Like they're like, well, it's, you have three choices and you pick us or they pick them and we're all the same price. And yeah, I mean, where I'm at for fiber, we have one choice and they're like, screw you if, you if you don't go with us. If you're in sales and using LinkedIn and you're not getting the traction you're looking for, you're going to love our social selling accelerator. It's a four week program where we work with you to create content that gets the attention of the right people and start conversations with your ideal customers on LinkedIn. Go to outboundshow.com for more information. What are some practical ways then that you, that you can do that? You know, it's not that the friendship is bad, but how do you, you know, what are two or three things that somebody's in sales, they don't want to have that transactional approach. They don't want to be the used car salesman, but you know, they're maybe struggling to stay out of the friend zone where deals just don't close because they, they've, you know, almost built too much friendship too quickly with somebody and, and they're kind of getting in friend zoned and uh, that pat on the back that you were describing earlier. What can somebody do to, to break out of that? That's funny. I was just keynoting in Bozeman on this where I, I went through this thing of like, who's the top three goats of sales? And it was, you know, it was the, the doctor, the, the school teacher and the hostess negotiator. But I'll get to one of those because you asked a specific question is, um, when it comes to a doctor, right? Like you go to a doctor not to be sold a cast for your cough. You go to a doctor to be prescribed. And what do they do? They ask you questions and they understand. And they went to eight or more years of school to be a specialist in this thing. So as sales people, it is our responsibility to be the doctor and the expert in uh, the problem that we solve. Everyone wants to show up and throw up and they want to be like, Hey, here's, here's my features and benefits and whatever, but nobody cares about you. They only care about them. That's your baby, right? Like nobody wants to see pictures of your baby on, on your phone, no matter what you think they want to show you pictures of their baby, right? And their baby in this case is their livelihood and their family and their job and their paycheck and their bills and so on and, and their trajectory in their career. So we have to understand that and make sure that that's what we focus on. So our job is to be the expert in their industry, in their geo. So what's going on in their, uh, in their town? What's going on in their state? What are political decisions being made that could affect their industry, their business, so on and so forth. So we do preparation and we do, we teach micro batching. So like if you're going to go after industrial or manufacturing or healthcare or whatever, um, you're going to go, you know, industry by industry and then state by state so that you don't have to like, you don't have to be an expert in every every state and every industry. You just kind of you do your your territory planning that way. But anyway, um, is you start telling people things they just didn't know. In enterprise, it's easy because you have you have a ten k, so you can you can read their you know their their 
obligations to their shareholders. That makes it easy. But in, in uh, SMBs, which is what we, we do a lot more now of, is, you, you know, you got a crunch base, I guess, but like there's not a lot out there. You kind of got to figure it out. And so you do some, some pulls where you find out, oh, did you know the Sunshine Act in Arizona? Or did you know that in Cincinnati? I don't really know. You know, I don't have any deals in Cincinnati right now, but like if I did, I would. And, and I'd know exactly what's going on. Who's voting for what? Who's who's affecting my industry? Oh, emissions now. So manufacturing. We have to show up and know exactly what's going on in their industry, the pain points that they're that 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 they may or may not know of, their role and responsibility because we have third party proof of people we've helped just like them, uh, so on and so forth. So that when we have a when we reach out to somebody, we say, hey, you may or may not know this, um, but this, that, and the other thing. The reason why I know it is I've been doing this for 20 years or 10 years or five years or three years, or my business has been doing this for whatever. And these are the three things that we see all of the time. I don't suppose you're facing any of these challenges. And then they go, yeah. And then we begin the conversation that way where it's, where I'm, I'm, I'm advising. I'm not selling you anything. I have no idea if I can help you, but I do know that companies exactly like yours in Cincinnati, in your role are facing these three to five problems. Maybe you're the one that isn't. And they generally say, I am, what are you gonna do about it? And I say, fantastic response, great question. Let's set up some time. It's, I'm not gonna be able to do this in an email, nor am I gonna send you a PDF or a landing page that's gonna describe it because it's not gonna make any sense, you know? And I get that out of the way right away because you know that's gonna be the rebuttal. They'll send me some stuff. It's not going to make any sense to you because you didn't know about it yesterday. So, so why are you going to read a PDF and be like a, a doctor in this problem? No, like, but let me talk you through it because this is what I do. Yeah. And, and it, just because you have that, the same pain, if you go to the doctor, you might have a pain in your whatever lower left abdomen and I might have a pain in my lower left abdomen and we go in and it's actually coming from something totally different, even though the pain might be the same and you can't read, on, you know, you could go to WebMD and you might get some basic ideas, you know, maybe some very broad strokes of what might be going on. But, you know, that's kind of like the PDF, you can send it to them, but that's not going to actually help them truly diagnose their problem or, or understand it. And that's the value of sales too. Like that's the value of having somebody in sales is to be that guide, right? To, to walk people through that. So um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of tie a thread through that, which we're, uh, uh, I have one more question I want to ask you, but um there's kind of this thread that, that you're sharing throughout all, all of what you've talked about tonight, where you're being professional, you're building a professional relationship with somebody where you have a goal of helping them solve a problem. And if they have that problem and they want it solved, you're guiding them on how to solve it. And you're doing that in a very organized, very efficient way so that they're spending as little time as possible to help them solve that issue. And then if you build a friendship and you build rapport over time, which you probably will with a lot of people, if you're treating them respectfully like that, that's great. That's gravy. But really, you know, you're looking to help people win in their business and you're helping them, looking to help them solve this problem. Best way to do that is through organization, through research, through understanding their business better than they do. And then, you know, as you're highlighting those things, letting them choose whether they want to keep moving forward or not. So you're not trying to like shove people through and always be closing, you know, you're really kind of inviting them into the next step if it makes sense and giving them the opportunity to, you know, either progress and, and have that same level of organization or say, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be a good fit. So what, it, what is the wildest thing that's ever happened to you in sales? I've had phone books sold at me when I was doing door to door in college and I've had some crazy stuff, but um, I've been doing this for 20 years, you know? Um, but I think one of the wildest is it was Q4 
and I was up for President's Club and uh and I had one deal that hadn't it just I had one deal that was gonna put me like way over like I wanted to be the number one person. That was kind of my goal. I was the one in the top one to three percent for the last for those eleven years. So I wasn't always in first place, you know. I lost to Lindsay at my being I mean I wasn't always in first, but I wanted to be. That was my goal. I wanted to be the best. And not just the best at like closing deals and being a sh- a scumbag, but like the best at both things because we got, we got ranked on not just deals closed. It was like, what do your customers say about you? And I would always pride myself on customer tension and, and customer satisfaction. And, and so I, that, that was a, that was a, you know, a feather in my cap. I, I was, I was like the, the fact that they, I like the fact they even threw it as a metric. I thought that was kind of classy, but anyway, um, I had this one deal that was holding up and I'm talking, this is like the day before Thanksgiving. And we had to go to, down to, I we were in Minneapolis at the time. We had to go to Okaboji, Iowa, which is, four or five hours away. And my wife's like, what is going on? I'm like, I have to get this deal closed. I, I know it's going to come through. And it was after five now. And I, and like I said, so Texas central time. And I'm like, this isn't going to happen. So I thought, I said, well, what if we get strand? Okay. This is inappropriate, but I, I'll, I'll try and make it G rated. I said to my wife, I said, well, what if we get stranded tonight? We tell your parents, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have kids then. So we were just newlyweds. And I said some things like maybe these things could take place that adults do who are married, who, you know, you can kind of kind of get it, fill in the gaps. And I said this in great detail <clears throat> and I sent it to Ollie. My wife's name is Allison. I call her Allie, but I dropped the, the, what is it? A-L-L-I. Yeah. So it's all, I, whatever. A-L-H-I. I don't know what I did. I did something wrong and it went to Ollie. Not Ali. Ali was the decision maker on the deal that I needed closed, and uh, and it, and he responds immediately. I, and mind you, I've been trying to get this guy for three weeks to just say yes or no, like yes or no. I can live with it, but just no answer. I can't live with. And his response was like, "LOL, smiley face, like like seventy five different emotions." He's like, "I," he's like, "I have," he's like, "This made." My year. He's like, I know that you didn't mean to send this to me. He said, he goes, but I've had the worst month of my life. He's like, I had a death in the family, uh, which is why I've been MAA. He's like, I had this other thing. I mean, it, he gave me like a list of things that are going on, starting with the death in the family. And he was like, I needed this more than you'll ever know. Thank you for allowing me to enjoy your pain and suffering. So I'm sure you're embarrassed. As you can see, attached is the signed contract. Uh, or, you know, have, happy Thanksgiving. So I got the deal in because of that. Like he responded to me because it made him just, he just needed it. He was like, oh, I've been having the worst month of my life. And I, and now I get to like tease you about this forever because I know you didn't mean to send this to me and blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's probably the wildest thing that's worked out. Um, I've done a lot of wild things that have not, but that one, you know, I want to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, uh, Nikolai, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Really appreciate it. And, uh, look forward to having more conversations down the road. Right on. Thanks for having me. Honored. Honored.